3: Happy Tuesday, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. My name is John Schmoke, joined by the one and only Paul DeTino. The phone number is 201-939-4513. Hashtag Giants Chat on Twitter if you want to get in touch with us that way. You certainly can. Folks, we've done a lot of stuff so far on the specifics of the Giants and Panthers game, so we're not going to get heavy into that today. Of course, you can call about it. And talk to us about it, but I thought it would be better today to take a bigger picture look at the Giants in 2-0, what it means for them as a franchise, for the season, and taking more of a forest from the trees type of perspective on the Giants so far, sitting here at 2-0. So I think the question I'll ask you is, and again, this shouldn't temper Giant fans' excitement over the two wins, wins are wins, but... How sustainable do you think it is to consistently win games throughout a 17-game season like they did in the first two? And I guess we can start there. Well, as long as you don't
0: turn the ball over... Don't you, beat yourself, right? You've got a real chance to win the bulk of your close games. Especially given the schedule that you're looking at this year. Let's let's go back to Tom Coughlin. More games in this league are lost than they are won. Correct. So my answer is... It may not be pretty. It may not make a bunch of Sports Center highlights every Saturday or Sunday night. But the Giants can win their fair share and more if they just play disciplined football.
3: And I will say this. I think this is how this team is currently constructed has to win. I don't think they can win a different way. You know, we looked at it last year, right? When did the Giants get into the most trouble last year and the year before? It's when they were forced into situations where they had to throw the football. And mm-hmm. then the wheels came off. Mm-hmm. These you couldn't protect. Daniel Jones turns it over. And yeah. then they didn't have a quarterback after he got hurt. Bingo. And then defensively, when you had to defend the pass, they also struggled in you know, must-pass mu- must situations for the opponent. All See, those end-of-the-half situations, Now, right?
0: maybe the difference this year, and we don't know, is when Ojolari and Thibodeau get on the field,
3: maybe that situation's altered. I agree, and I think Wink Martindale's style might alter that a little bit, too, especially, again... I don't love the wink style against the elite quarterbacks because I feel like they've seen so much, they know how to read those blitzes, they get rid of the ball quickly, but when you're playing younger quarterbacks and quarterbacks that are not in that top 10, top 11, top 12 category, that's when I think it can be effective. We saw it against Baker Mayfield, right? The pressure clearly bothered him in that game. Mm-hmm. And I think it threw him off his rhythm. He wasn't he was watching the rush instead of his receivers. Giants batted some passes down. So I'll I'll put that there, but I do think generally speaking, you can hit the uh uh, do you want to hit the defense quick before I jump to the offense? Do you have something to add on that? No, it's actually a combo comment, okay. so you go ahead, and okay. then I'll make it. that's fine. I saw you think about saying something. So, um, Offensively, I believe, given what the wide receiver situation is, and I think it's clear that this coaching staff, given the fact the snaps have been so different week to week, are searching for answers at that spot. I think that's fair to say, right? If you're going to move pieces around two straight weeks, you're trying to find your long-term starter. I would only
0: dispute that a little bit, John. I'm not sure if they're looking for answers or they really believe, and I tend to think that this is the truth, they just believe in certain matchups and certain schemes against certain teams. Maybe I'm not so sure that they actually want to find two consistent guys to start.
3: Yeah, but I'm not sure there's a scheme difference that would make you start Galladay over Sills or Silver over Galladay. They're both bigger, not super fast wide receivers, right? I
0: tend to agree with you, but I don't know what's in Coach Dable's head. And and maybe he really does think there's a difference. You might be right. And there's no way to know for sure after two games. And I don't think he's going to be too eager to tell us. But (laughs) let me put it this way.
3: Even if you're putting different receivers in based on scheme... You know what they say about having a closer in Major League Baseball? If you have more than one, you don't have one. Right. <laughs> right. So, again, this is not me killing the wide receiver position. No, no, but I'm It's clear they're, they're not rolling out a bunch of number one Pro Bowl-level receivers is my point. I do have another thought on that, though. Yeah,
0: go ahead, please. And only
3: because I thought about it
0: last night. Somebody had texted me about it, and they said, well, do you think Galladay's going to get more reps this week? And I just said back, I don't know. If I'm a defensive uh, coordinator, or for that matter, a defensive backs coach— and I usually know who the X, Y, and the Z receivers are. And I know if I'm either going to travel my top guy or if I'm going to play straight up left and right. If I know what my style is, and the Giants are in this mix and match situation where not only can most of their receivers play all three spots, Galladay's not going to play all three spots. That's that's just a He's, fact. And, and neither is Sills, probably. And neither is Sills, right. But although Sills has done some slot work in camp. A little bit, He did. He Mm -hmm. played some big slot. Mm -hmm. Galladay didn't. But Sills did. Yeah, but James and Shepard and Kadarius can all move around. They can play all three. Right. Mm -hmm. Well, now think about that for a second. What am I telling my defensive backs? I got to tell each one of my defensive backs. Guess what? You can't just prepare for one or two receivers. You got to prepare for five receivers on Sunday. Because the Giants may use any combination –
3: in any spot. I'd still rather be rolling out Hakeem Nicks, Victor Cruz, and Mario Manning. So would I. <laughs> so would I. Or but, Odell Beckham and Sterling Shepard and whoever, whatever. But, but short of
0: somebody <laughs> who can impose their will on the defense right. every no, week like Plexico you. Burris can do. I hear what you're saying. Isn't that a pain in the rear end? It is.
3: My point being. To prepare for it's kind of nasty. Don't disagree. But I, my point is that I don't think as currently constituted, and then throw in the rookie right tackle, the issues on the interior of the offensive line early in the year. You don't. if, if Daniel Jones is dropping back 40, 45 times That's a game, bad. things are not going to go well. Mm-hmm. That's bad. So bringing back to my larger point, yes. I think this is how you're going to have to go about trying to win games because I don't think, and frankly, this is the same conversation we've had the last two years, Begin. Because personnel dictates what you can do. You can't just coach a certain way and scheme a certain way if you don't have the personnel to execute that scheme. You're going to have to be a little bit more conservative here in how you approach it because if you try to do too much of the passing game, you're going to see what happens and it's not going to be pretty. And over the
0: course of the last few years... The Giants have not had the offensive line that could get the running game going to the degree that we believe they will this year. Well, and and they also did not have a healthy Saquon Barkley.
3: And it's also shown the first two weeks. I mean, they've been able to win with the run game, more or less, the first two games of the year. Exactly. So, you know, there are clearly different circumstances
0: here that make the situation better, even though the generic game plan
3: needs to be in that same vicinity. Yes, that's what you're trying to get at. This game plan has a much better chance of succeeding because of Saquon and the offensive line blocking better in the run game as opposed to prior years. 100% agree. And
0: potentially a better pass rush.
3: Yes, on defense. Yes, yes, I think that's true. I, I agree. I think now, that's true. Now, here was
0: an interesting thing I saw, John, and you guys know, anyone who listened to this show, I was never a big Mike McCarthy fan. Uh, I, I just, his X's and O's on Sunday, I, I, I just, I'm not a big fan. And by the way, I was never a big McCarthy guy either, so I'm with you on now, that. Now, having mm-hmm. said that, he made a comment in the last 48 hours that I saw in one of the Dallas papers, and he said in September you don't see film on approximately 35% of the snaps that you'll see in the game.
3: So basically a third of the things your opponent's going to do will be new that they haven't showed before. Correct. Okay. Now, I've never had anybody put a number on it before. That is interesting.
0: I mean, I've been doing this now 40 years. I've never had somebody give me a number on that. But it does make some sense because we know how vanilla teams are during the preseason – and we know that they will gradually pull stuff out week by week by week by week. And, again, his estimation was about 35% of the plays you see on Sunday in September are new plays that you haven't seen before. Because they're coming out of the playbook bit by bit by bit until, I guess I guess he means when you get to October, you will at least have seen their full playbook on tape.
3: quarter of the season, give or take. And I imagine for a team like the Giants, that number's bigger. I would think because it's a new coaching staff, and for a team like Dallas, right? it's probably smaller because the the Kellen Moore and Mike McCarthy have been there for what stands three to years reason. Now? Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. stands to reason, right? So I'm
0: thinking, how much will that percentage go up by, given the Giants' new coaching staff uh, and the fact that they're still only playing their third game of the year? Does that mean McCarthy goes into this Giants game thinking he has seen as much as or as as little as? 50% or or as little as 40% yeah, possible. of what they've got in the playbook? Yeah. And and how much does that weigh on his mind if he brought it up in a media conversation? How much does that weigh on his mind that he is still expecting the unexpected?
3: Yeah, look, we've had this conversation before, right? For a team with a new offense in place, is it more, a, more of a benefit? Because your opponent's not going to know what you're going to do? Or is it more of a detriment because maybe you're not hitting on all cylinders yet? I've always been more of the it's in your benefit because teams don't know what you're going to do side of that fence. I like to believe that as well. Because I think we've seen sometimes the second half of these years when you've got a new program in place, teams start figuring out what you're doing, and then it doesn't work as well a lot of the time. Now, the difference here with the Giants, with Brian Dable, it's such a thick playbook and it's so Very complex, much so. maybe that impact will be muted a little bit as teams see more of what they do because it's it's such a complex way they operate. But we'll have to wait and see. I don't know.
0: You know what's interesting? I almost think it goes the other way because of the potential mixture of the Kansas City and Buffalo offenses that you have no idea. It's not like he's just bringing the Buffalo
3: offense. Oh, no, Paul, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying... I'm saying other teams will have a harder time figuring out what they're yes. doing because there's so yes. much yes. more stuff. So yes. we agree. Yes. We, we agree. agree.
0: Yes. We just said it differently. Yeah, correct. And and so the the morphed Kansas City Buffalo playbook, uh, to me, really I, I that requires a lot of consternation on an opponent, at least early in the season. And I felt that way going into the Titans game. I, I still feel that way right now. And and how much Will that impact the opponents going into October? I don't know. At what point will
3: we have seen most of their playbook? I don't know the answer to that. Mm-hmm. And I will say this, and, and and we'll get to your calls now in a minute. This will be my last point. I think there are two things that I still need to see for me to start talking about playoffs, okay? <laughs> well, it is early. It is early, but 2-0. Look, it's good. And we talked about the schedule. And you over started,
0: 60% yes, of 2-0 and o teams go. 100%,
3: 100%. But before I start having those conversations, this team needs to show me, and it's not about even wins and losses at this point. Remember, the Panthers last year started the year 3-0. and mm-hmm. How'd their season end?
1: Mm-hmm. In fact,
3: it was the Giants that basically turned their season down the wrong turn, and then it was... Correct. I think they won like two games the rest of the year. It was, it a was mess. bad. So, two things I still need to see from the Giants. A, Generically, you've got to score more points. And I just need to see a more explosive passing game. Everyone's all excited. We're going to have all these explosive pass plays. Well, see how many completions the Giants have that have traveled 20 yards in the air this year? (laughs) Two. (laughs) One was on a blown coverage to Sterling Mm Shepard where the cornerback just turns and stops for no reason. And then you had the one to David Sills last week on on the third and long, which was a nice play. Jones did a great job uh, shifting in the pocket. Tony might have
0: had one if Sills didn't get called for the pick. Yeah, that's true.
3: Well, but he was only open because of the pick. So, there you go—an incidental contact. Well, he was open because Sills and the cornerback collided, whatever you want to call it. Rub route, pick, three stooges routine. The point is, it was it
0: was flagged.
3: That's the point. And yeah, and it wasn't a a naturally occurring open player down. Correct. So correct. I I want to see. A more consistent, explosive offense through the air. That's fair. And I think you need to see, you're going to need that against better teams, right? That can score more points. I agree. And the second thing, I need to see how Wink's defense holds up against elite level quarterbacks. And through no fault of their own, we just haven't seen them play those guys yet. And Tannehill's a good player, but he also has all new receivers. Their passing game's out of sync and all that stuff. So those are the two things that I need to see before I really start believing, believing, believing.
0: And the two. Potential answers that will help get you there are the additional edge rushers who are coming off of injury. You'd like to believe that will help that situation. Yes, and but you...
3: my worries are more about cornerbacks not named Adore Jackson. Okay, but pass rush does help. Absolutely. Okay, and then the other thing is um,
0: we tend to forget. <laughs> this offensive line has been rebuilt four out of five spots, and, and to be honest, I mean— it's only two games. No, no. no. I mean, yeah. it, you know, he can still get better for sure. And you hope Evan Neal gets better as the year goes along. Too. I, I, I think he he will probably take the same track, bless you, that Andrew Thomas took. And that first month of the season, he'll have some some jitters. Mm-hmm. He'll have some some mistakes. And in fairness, for Andrew, it was two and a half months. But yes, okay. Mm-hmm. But by the second part, second by the final third of his rookie season, Andrew Thomas was clicking. It was pretty after good. the bye. It was after ten games. There you go. It was well, after ten games. Yeah. Two thirds. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and by that point, now he finally got it. So, you know, these guys, there's so many new parts on this line, to be frank with you. I, somebody asked me this morning. Oh, yeah, Paul, I'm not saying it can't happen. Right. I'm just saying
3: I need to but see But at least it.
0: there are potential answers. Sure. And, and the only comment I would make is that I was asked this morning about the offensive line, and somebody actually said to me, what grade do you give the offensive line?
3: Oh, I hate grades. And oh, I
0: and oh, I, and oh, I know. I hate but that. I simply said, right now, they are functional,
3: which is my minimum requirement to be able to compete and win a game would is you, that they're functional. Would you consider them functional in the pass game as well or just because of the run blocking? Um I think I would consider them barely functional in the pass game but but still functional.
0: Overall, I'd probably give them a C+ plus only because of the run blocking. Right. Okay. But overall, I'd give them a C, like to grade it up a little bit for the run blocking, but they've been they've been functional and yeah. that's the minimum requirement. Yeah, of course. Now,
3: they need to get better, and they probably will mm-hmm. That's your answer. No, I think that's fair. And by the way, I know we were making we talked about this in the post game show and we talked about some of the weird things the Panthers did in the second half of that game. after they're killing the middle of the Giants offensive line for the first half, they go to a bunch of three man rushes where they're not even putting guys over the guards in the second half of that game. Like I had I did not understand for the life of me what they were doing on both sides of the ball at different parts of that game. It was very weird. Yeah, I thought that uh, they had the
0: opportunity to flood the A and B gaps much more frequently Yeah, and cause the Giants to be off schedule more. And And they they didn't.
3: And how often they put Brian Burns in the coverage. Yeah.
0: I, I just I just thought it was a weird approach. That's uh, all I'm saying. Uh, and I thought on the other side of the ball, too, when we talked about this earlier this morning,
3: I, I think as much as McCaffrey was used, I thought they would use him even more. Yeah, and also I thought you would try to attack non-Adore Jackson giant cornerbacks, too. You know? You know? You, I mean, you have a rookie corner out there. That should be a bullseye. And again, not that Cordo Flock can't handle his own business, but if you're an opposing coordinator, you want to make that guy prove that he can handle his own business, right? I
0: I go back to what I said the other day. I said it on the post game. I think I said it Man. yesterday. I'm going to say it three times now. Giants coaching staff won both games in terms of the little box that says coaching today. Giants coaching staff won both games. I'm more on your side
3: for the Panthers game, but I see where you're coming on the Titans game too. Okay. Right. Want to do some calls? Let's do it. 201-939-4513. Hey, Giant fans, make sure you're at MetLife Stadium for the next home game September 26th. The Giants will host the rival Dallas Cowboys for Monday Night Football. A special Ring of Honor ceremony will take place during halftime, limited individual, and group tickets are still available. So visit Giants.com slash tickets to secure your seat today.
1: Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists, like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Spentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com concertweek to learn more. And plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: Donnie and Queens will lead us off. Donnie. Good
2: afternoon, gentlemen. What's Hi. Uh, I, I agree with pretty much everything you guys said uh, so far. And just kind of to add on to it, I remember uh, earlier in the uh, – or later in the offseason, John, you said you almost didn't even care what the record was this year. And I, I kind of feel the same way. You know, watching these first two games, you know, it's pretty evident the Giants are operating with a talent deficiency. But like you guys were saying, they're going to play teams also operating under those same talent deficiencies throughout the year, mostly throughout the schedule. So I think you're you kind of just looking at it as let's continue to see development from the things we have, what we think answers are. Like you guys were mentioning Evan Neal, and maybe Paul could touch on this. I think he's much further ahead than where Andrew Thomas was at that same point in his career. Would you agree?
3: I think he's played better, but I think Andrew Thomas had a much tougher opponent and competition his first couple games. I so concur. I think and we're... And position. Yes, and Donnie, I think the other thing too, Evan Neal's going to get his test this week because every single snap, he's going to be one-on-one with either DeMarcus Lawrence or Micah Parsons. Mm-hmm. We're going to learn a lot about that kid on Monday night. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, totally agree. And, and actually, I, I don't expect him to win the game because of that. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's a story for... Another well, well, Donnie, day, so. I, well,
3: Donnie, here's the thing. You don't win the game because of that. You just hope you don't lose the game because of that. Then that's well, really well, the better way to
2: phrase it. Tomato, tomato, right. I agree. I, I think that's going to be the difference in the game. We'll see what the giant injury report looks like as the week goes on. But, you know, look, I I say I don't care about the record, but when I'm, I was at the game Sunday, I had tickets to Section 103. I cared then, right? But, you know, <laughs> when you, when you take a step back a couple of days later, you you still want to look at this big picture, like – the, the, the entire passing game is going to need an overhaul in the offseason. You know, the, watching Philly last night, it's like, man, they're better at us at quarterback. They're better at us at tight end. They're better at us at receiver. You know, we've got a, a long ways to go. So keep sight of the main thing, which is just developing, you know, a, a smarter style of play, better coaching, better culture. Take the wins as they come. But this is still a, a you know a multi-year process most likely, and I'm going to hang up and listen. I, I appreciate the work you guys do. Thanks. Thank
3: you, Donnie. Appreciate the call. And I think Donnie put it well, right? The development is what's most important, but it's always better to win games along the way than to lose them. Mm-hmm. And if you're you know one of the coaches, front office people, owners, or fans in the seats, hell yeah the wins and losses are going to matter to you because that's why you're here. That's why you're in the building.
0: Yes, and and really what it comes down to at the end of the day is that you don't want to lose winnable games. In other words, if you go up against an elite opponent, and I think most people believe that the Packers are one of your elite teams in the league and this year. And Baltimore right? might be too. Okay, but let's. I'll just go with Green Bay for the moment just to, just to illustrate the example. Mm-hmm. And if the Giants go to London and Green Bay just flat out beats them, okay? You lose by 17. All right, you know what? If you lose to one of the really good teams in this league because they just decide to take it to you, it's going to happen, and you can accept that. You say, I want to compete as best as we can. I want to see if we can close that gap. But you can swallow that loss. The problem is if you lose a 20-17 to game against the Washington Commanders, that's the loss that's going to churn in your stomach and make you sick and want to throw up because you're going to say to yourself, that's a winnable game while we're progressing. And while we're watching our team, and this is, I think, the mentality of of, of, the, of the players while we're watching our team get better, we want to win the winnable games. Don't lose the
3: winnable games because that's not the way you you pro- progress. No, 100 percent agree. 201-939-4513. I'll get to Joe in a second, Pearson. I want to follow up on one thing that Donnie said with you, Paul. You starting to turn on Jalen Hurts a little bit? He's thrown the ball awfully well his first, first two First two games look really good. I agree. Now, I want to see him, and I said this, I was doing a hit on our Syracuse affiliate uh, just before we started, actually, up there in Rome, Utica, Syracuse. I want to see him do it still against a team that's not going to give him so many easy throws with A lot of pitch zone. and catch. Yes, now, A lot of it that takes nothing away from Jalen. He's still got to make the play. You can only do what teams are you can only play against what teams are mm-hmm. playing against you. But it looks like for the first two games at least, it looks like he's taken some steps forward. And if he it does, and if he plays that well the whole year, oh, they will win the division. They might win. And, they and, might
0: win the NFC. Well, and I was just going to say it won't. It won't be close if he plays that well. They will win this division with some comfort zone.
1: Totally and, agree. And
0: I, you know, I
3: don't think anybody in the NFC East wants to see that. No. I don't. I don't think they do. All right. So you're I, I, our, our, our buddy Bam Bam on Twitter wanted me to ask you if you were turning on Hurts a little bit. So, look, the evidence is is before you at the moment. Huh? It's right there, staring you in the face. And by the you're, way, you have to say what it is. And if the evidence changes, then your opinion. And change. we'll That's let you the know. Way it works. Hundred <laughs> percent. No, you're right. Because somebody's yelling, at me, you guys didn't give Hurts any credit. I went back. Do you know how many games after October third last year he threw for more than two hundred yards? Not three hundred. Two hundred. Oh, I know. Three. I know. Like, it was not good throwing the ball last year, the final two and a half months of the year. So every team has a question mark
0: about them, certainly in this yeah. division and in most of the conference. And for Philadelphia, I'm
3: sorry. Coming into the season, Hurts yeah. was a question. And so far, he's answered that in a positive way. To this point. But just much like with the Giants at 2-0, just two games. Wait, we can, change, we can change opinions? Yes, Pearson. When evidence changes, you can in fact change your opinion on something. That's wild. Do you want to like? Do you want me to like inform people on Twitter that's possible? That would be great. Just all of Twitter, please. Oh, of course. Yes. Yes. Uh,
0: absolutely. That's why they have forensic scientists in the police department, because <laughs> when they collect the legitimate, legitimate evidence, they've got to be able to change
3: directions. Yes. Absolutely. All right. Let's go to Joe in Pennsylvania. He's up next. Hey, Joe.
4: Hi, guys. Uh- I see the Eagles and know more about them maybe than even the Giants. That receiver they got, uh, Brown, he's he's awesome. Yeah, he's a good player. Uh, it, you know what I mean. Now, Hurts, he's gonna get hurt one of these times because you you just can't keep on running without getting cracked. Everybody now here's the does. thing
3: though, Joe. He is a thick son of a gun. Now he is. I know. Hey, strong. you
4: you saw what the the Giants cold cocked uh uh what's his name from um the running back, the big running back from... from oh, uh, uh,
0: Crowder's
3: Tennessee. hit on Henry. Yeah, and then Derek can. Henry hey. got right back up and kept playing. That's my point. Right.
4: Hey, you have a 170-pound uh, defensive back coming full speed and, and let him hit you. Don't worry. They they can do damage. All right,
0: so, all right. Uh, let, let, me just, let me just say this. Wishing that a giants defensive player would knock hurts out of the game and injure him is not exactly a pleasant thought yes i agree okay i mean to be fair that's not very sportsmanlike I'm of you not. I'm not saying that, Paul.
4: He's he's running. Every quarterback that runs gets it eventually.
0: Look, look, you know how I feel about that. And by the way, Daniel Jones carried the ball ten times this past Sunday, yeah, right. and and that
4: made me very nervous.
0: You cannot be happy with right. how much they're asking him to run it the first two weeks. Not really. However, the the last scramble was acceptable. <laughs> well, no, but you know, but but that's when he should do it though. In yes. those
3: critical situations,
0: Absolutely. that's when you do it in key moments, I'm still right, okay with but- it. But he ran but, a little too much for my liking Sunday, John.
4: Right, but Hurts, they just do it a lot just to run it. You know what I mean? He's right in the game plan. Well, you know what? It.
0: If they continue to do it and he pays for it, well, then that's just too bad. Well, that, that's, that's the what way I'm it goes.
4: It, it, it will happen. What I want to bring up, I had a hard time. I couldn't even get through there. I wanted to bring up that first game interception of, of Barkley. It, I don't think it's coincidental. In camp earlier this year, he was intercepted at least once or twice down in that red zone. They play him real tight. I think Holmes intercepted him once or twice. That was the ones that they showed on TV. I don't know when the fans couldn't see it. So I, I I think they play Bark. They can play Barkley a lot tighter down in that red zone, and I don't I I, I don't like it, especially back shoulder uh, throws to him. I, I think that's, you know, something that they have to work on. So I I want to see our big receiver getting out there and getting a lot of time there uh, with him. The guy from Detroit we got doing back shoulder. He's the guy we should be doing that. But Barkley, I said, it, it, it happened in camp and it happened here. They can play him a lot tighter down the field. He, he's elusive. He can get away from linebackers and that. But down in that red zone, uh, I think they they need a lot more practice together. To your
0: point. Thank you, Joe. appreciate the call. To your point, taller targets can be more effective in the red zone, obviously in certain matchups. But let's not kid ourselves, John. There's a lot less room in the red zone, and that's why most
3: players get played tighter. It's not just how to do it, Barkley. Oh, no. I think that was Joe's point, though, that in the red zone, obviously his over-the-top speed doesn't impact things. But look, that first pass, Jones just shouldn't have thrown it. It was a Terrible decision, terrible decision. Back shoulder throws work, Paul. When what? The defensive backs turned away from the quarterback and facing the wide receiver. Uh-huh. The safety was staring at Daniel Jones the entire time. When you try to throw a back shoulder throw to a, against a DB that's staring at the quarterback, it's going to be an interception every single time. And it he was, was three
0: a, yards in front of Barkley too. It was a, and
3: it was if a you, and terrible. And if, if he was going to throw it, he, he had to throw it two seconds earlier. So there's a million things that went wrong on that play. And Daniel – and look, Brian D'Abel said it. Daniel Jones knows it. That was a, it was a bad decision. And he got away with them, by the way, in week two at the end of the first half when he threw it right to the linebacker. And that – and by the way, you, you talk about – and I always – you know, people get nuts with me on this, but I always talk about the small margins in the NFL, how little plays here or there can change the the whole way a game goes. First week, no r- doubt. Randy Bullock misses a 47-yard field goal kick. He makes, what, 80% of the time? I'm sure. Week two, if that Panther player intercepts that ball, that could be a pick six. Could be. And then that whole game's different. Could be. So these little moments can turn themes different. And again, too many times the last couple years, those moments have gone against the Giants. And for once, they're going in the Giants' favor. It's nothing to apologize for. It's not a negative. It's just that's the way the NFL is. I've mentioned this to you many times, John.
0: Parcells used to tell us all the time there are going to be a handful of plays during the game where you will absolutely butcher the play. You will make a horrible mistake. It will be a terrible, terrible play. It could be in coverage. It could be a bad decision by the quarterback. It could be a wrong route by a receiver. And if the other team takes advantage of one of those five or six plays, you get burned badly. But what you hope is that when you make those five or six horrific plays mm-hmm. that they don't take advantage of.
3: It. Hey, look last night. How big was that deep pass that the Vikings dropped? What was that Irv Smith, I think, mm-hmm. that dropped it? If he catches that and runs for a touchdown, that's a whole different game. They could run it with Dalvin Cook more. The whole game's different. So it's these little moments. That's why those that's why the execution is so important. Because if you fail to execute once or twice in critical spots, it changes the whole tenor of the game. And you know what makes me laugh?
0: These bozos who get on Twitter, right? Who pull up? Twitter annoys you. <laughs> the people on it a lot of times annoy me. So how about this? They get on the all twenty-two, right? Oh, because they get that off the game pass, all yeah. right? And they and they pull up the all twenty-two, and they go, Daniel Jones held the ball too long. David Sills was thirty-five yards downfield, wide open on this play." Okay. Well, guess what? If you did that to every single play in every single NFL game this week you would be able to find a similar play for every single quarterback who has played on that given Sunday. Because those plays exist, folks. Those plays are out there. They're there every week for every quarterback. It just so happens that every once in a while, it will either result in a great play or a bad play, and then sometimes nobody even notices it because nothing happened on
3: the play. Hey, look, and we can only see what we see and know what we know. But as we always say here, it's important to know what you don't know. Bingo. And it's my it's my mantra. I've lived by that for years. Look, we can you can know criticize you and, and, and say that sort of stuff, but in the end, the coaches and that what then know what the play is and know what the reads are and know what the progressions are are the ones that are gonna know if it's for sure if it's a good or a bad play. That doesn't mean you guys can't watch it and you guys can't come to your own opinions. You certainly can. But I hate unless I have overwhelming evidence, I hesitate to to really you can bring it up and say it. Well, I saw that, maybe it means this, maybe it means that. But it, it, it's you have to be very careful being definitive about it unless you really know that's what happened well, on a certain play. But even beyond that, John, again, there's gonna
0: be plays mm-hmm. every week sure. where a quarterback leaves a big play on the field it, it's going to happen to every quarterback every single week if you really want to study now some every, more play. some more than others some more than others but but if you look hard enough
3: you're going to find at least one play sure. in
0: every single game
3: all right let's go to hugo in new jersey he's up next hey hugo what's going on pal
5: hey I, I, hi guys uh, i really appreciate your comments today i think they're spot on um, I don't want to make this the Jalen Hurts show, but that guy throws from a, like a perfect horseshoe pocket, like ninety percent of the time.
3: No, that helps too.
5: It does. That helps so too. It's, no it's question. Like, it's like seven on seven on sevens out there. So uh, my hope is that when we face them, Wink uh, figures out a way to make the pocket a lot more messy for him. Yes. And so unfortunately, him, he would, and that decision.
3: that means you are going to have to cover AJ Brown and Devonta Smith one on one outside. So good luck with all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it, it's it's a tough match. Nah, no, sure. They have a good roster, man. They got a good roster. Hey, anyway, good good news. The Giants don't play them for a while. Yes, the first game that's against true. the Philadelphia that's Eagles are, isn't until December 11th. Exactly, so we a long way to go here. A long lot, way to a, go. A lot can change between a now. A lot and then. can change. Yeah.
5: Well, anyhow, one of the uh, really
3: the reason why I called
5: is one of the. Concerns I had coming into this year Would be our run defense Just based on what happened last year And I I look at the macro picture Over the last couple of years uh, I I think we've lost some pretty solid talent Along the defensive line Between Dalvin Tomlinson B.J. Hill Austin Johnson And and I think the hope coming into the year Is that the run defense would be shored up By the return of Blake Martinez Obviously he's no longer on the team Which all kind of suggests that Really, the core problem may have been not being able to hold the edges. And, and I know eventually Aziz Ojalari and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau come back, and certainly we should see a pickup in the pass rush. I'm just hoping we don't trade off too much in the run game when they do come back so the defense can stay balanced and then we can, you know, hold the early downs so we could unleash them on the pass rush.
3: I would say Hugo that there is, understandably, a reason to be a little concerned moving forward if Leonard Williams has to miss a significant amount of time, and you're just left with Justin with with uh, Dexter Lawrence, Justin Ellis, and, Davidson, you know, Williams, Nichols, Williams, all those guys inside, plus the issues at inside linebacker, like Zeke Elliott, like on Monday night. I'm sure Dallas, if Leonard doesn't go, and we'll see is circling that, they're going to say, look, we're going to pound the hell out of you guys, mm-hmm. and we're going to make you stop the yeah. run. So, yes, I think moving forward here, until we see what happens with Leonard Williams' injury, I don't know about you, Paul, that is, a, I think, a legitimate concern. Totally concur. Forward. Totally concur, 150%. And
0: now, I will say the the interesting signing of uh, of uh, um, Jalen Smith. Jalen Smith. Oh, that's right. He was signed to the practice now, he, squad. He comes to week. the practice squad this morning. Now, from what we saw of him last year, he's limited. Okay? He is a You talk about downhill running backs. He's a downhill linebacker. He's a box player. Okay, that's it. Uh That's all he is. He is a box player, run-first, stop linebacker, who charges straight ahead into a gap and and does everything he can to blow up a run. He's not going to do a lot horizontal. He's not going to do a lot backpedal. He's not going to do any coverage stuff. He's going to be in the box, and he's charging into a gap, and if he's in the right gap, he'll blow a guy up. Okay, But if he's not in the right gap, he doesn't have a lot of, at this point in his career, after the injuries, he doesn't have a lot of athleticism to cut and move and switch gaps on the blitz. That's not going to happen. He's got to read his keys, guess right, and then hit that hole. He can be, we saw him at the end of last year, he can be somewhat effective in that role. That may somewhat mitigate some of the concerns against a power running team. Potentially.
5: Okay. Well, fair enough. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take it off air. Uh, but, but thanks for your comments today. I thought they were spot on.
3: No, thank you. And I think we heard Julian Love say this on his presser yesterday, that playing all those DBs might have been a function of the fact that we're facing Christian McCaffrey. So we have to see now if Wink adjusts his personnel packages when you're playing a different type of offense than the Cowboys on Monday night. That Guarantee probably, you who will. Right. I would think so, too. And no now, doubt. They might also be without Dalton Schultz, who hurt his knee. On Sunday, which would be a huge loss for them, would be. We got to see about Michael Gallup whether or not he's going to be back playing. I think there's a 50-50 shot at him, give or take. They're hinting that he could maybe be back. You know, Doctor Jones is all over that. Off that ACL, he's all over it. Um, <laughs> well, check do- with Lance, <laughs> Doctor Jerry. Um, but look, yeah, I think you're going to see Wink make adjustments. This is another thing I wanted to bring up today. Actually, I think I saw a good, a uh, good way to transition to it. I've been pretty impressed. And we talked about Wink style, and there's a lot of cover one and cover zero behind all those blitzes and everything. I think they've done a really good job, Paul, of actually mixing up their coverages more than I thought they would, Mm -hmm. even behind those blitzes. We've seen, I think, in order to protect those young cornerbacks, a lot more zone, cover four, Mm -hmm. cover three, where, all right, we'll let you get a short pass in front here. And look, they're still playing a good share of cover one. But cover zero has been few and far between. We've got only a couple of those each game. It mm-hmm. hasn't been a lot, mm-hmm. and I think Wink, to his credit, and this was, and I've mentioned this on the show. One thing I was worried about with him coming here, you saw Baltimore last How year. How much right? of a gambler would he be? Well, but and, and, and the adjustments, like mm-hmm. after he lost his cornerbacks, he kept doing same he did. stuff, and he did. it didn't go well. No, I think we've seen maybe it's Brian Dable's influence on him. I don't know, but I think we've seen him. Get away from some of his core stuff more based on the talent on the roster. And I think that's been very effective.
0: I remember Dable saying a few weeks ago when he was asked at one of his pressers about the coordinators and their propensity to do certain things. And I can't remember what day it was, but it did strike me, John, because he did say he did. something that. to the effect like, we tailor stuff or we tweak stuff depending upon what we have. And we've always talked about that. That's what the best coordinators do. Mm-hmm. They will make tiny changes to even their core philosophies depending upon the ability of the players they currently have.
3: By the way, Jerry Jones, minimum of two weeks for Dak Prescott. So there you go. Dr. Jerry's back on it with a new medical report. So that's good to know. Um, No, look, I agree. And that was one concern I had about Wink when he got here. Because, I, you know, we just saw how the Ravens got lit up late last year without their corners. But I've been very happy to see. And, again, I wasn't watching them super closely, so maybe my impression of what they were doing was wrong. That's very possible. But Yeah, we don't see the Ravens every day. Correct. (laughs) But I've been pretty impressed with how he's mixed up his coverages behind his blitzes. And, frankly, when he hasn't blitzed, how he's mixed in a lot of zone with his man. And I think that's got a long way – to helping these last couple weeks. Because the Giants defense have not really given up a ton of big plays. So, you not know, at now, all. And that's one thing we were worried about, and it really hasn't happened. One pass play over 20 yards last week. Yeah. That's and it. Week one, I think there was two. I don't remember. Trying to remember. I don't remember. Neither do I. Needless
0: to say, that hasn't been a problem. Well, look. Educated guess, folks, we all know. Ward's going to be a big part of this defensive front against the Cowboys. And if he's not, I'd be very oh, shocked. Jihad Ward, yes, yes. 100%, I'd yes. be very mm-hmm. shocked. Yes. So he was a bigger part in Week One, had a somewhat of a of, a, of a, a sizable part in Week
3: Two. He'll have a bigger part again in Week Three. If Leonard doesn't go, is that more of a Nicholas Williams, more of a Justin Ellis? What do you think? It's split. What do you, you think? You know, it's funny. I feel bad. Dexter Lawrence has got to play like ninety percent of the snaps. That poor guy's gonna need over the, seventy that, this past week. Seventy-nine percent. It was yeah. almost eighty. That, They better have the oxygen tank ready for that poor guy next week. I will tell you something. Nick Williams, since he made the roster,
0: I thought he was good in preseason too, by the way. He he came on as camp ended. Mm-hmm. And then he made the roster, and I think the snaps that he has given them have been
3: productive. I, I, I kind of like what he's doing. Yeah, and I think he's more of the size profile that Leonard Williams is. He's a different shape than mm-hmm. Justin Ellis. Ellis is, is, more of, Ellis is more of the— He's a plugger. Dexter Lawrence replacement. He's a plugger. Yes, correct. So we'll see how that the goes. The thing about Williams is that
0: people don't remember some years ago when he was with the Bears, he was one of their starting defensive tackles and had six and a half sacks and was mm-hmm. very productive. And then as the years went on, he started moving around and they were, oh, you're going to play some defensive end and you're going to be out there and you're going to do this and you're going to do that. Look... I wonder if the Bears had just left him where he was at defensive tackle, where he had his best season ever, they might not have been better off.
3: Now they they did have Akeem Hicks, who's a really good they player, did. which is probably one. Of I the get issues. that. Anyway, all right, let's go back to the phones, Paul. Uh, but first, I want to remind people of the Giants official connected TV streaming app, Giants TV, brings original video content and game highlights on demand and direct to big blue fans. Giants TV is free on Apple TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, and the Giants mobile. All right, let's go to Jonathan Westchester. He's up next. Hey, Jonathan.
6: Hey, how are you guys? We're good. Hi. I actually wanted to give a little bit of credit to uh, Dave Gettleman today.
2: Okay. Uh,
6: you know, you often hear that it, it takes about three years before you can really judge a draft class. So we're now in the third year for the 2020 class, and it has the makings of a, a, a very, good, very good draft. I mean, the, the fourth overall pick, Andrew Thomas, currently the highest rated tackle by PFF. He could be all pro this year. And then the second round pick 36 overall was, uh, Xavier McKinney. And, you know, you could make the argument, he's the best player on our defense right now. He played a huge role in keeping McCaffrey in check this past Sunday.
3: And Jonathan, by the way, uh, th- the guy that would be in, in, in the conversation with McCat, with, um, McKinney as the best defensive player is Leonard Williams, who Dave Gettleman's traded for.
6: Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Very true. And then, you know, you Continue down that draft quest. A lot of value late. Also, they got uh, Darnay Holmes in the fourth round. Mm-hmm. Sixth and seventh round picks were uh, Cam Brown and Carter Coughlin, both playing a big role on special teams. And uh, Mister Irrelevant, uh, Tay Crowder. So he's our you know starting starting middle linebacker going into the season. So uh, you know
0: don't don't forget Shane Lemieux. Don't forget Shane Lemieux, yeah. who at this point the jury's out because he's hurt. Okay, Cam right. Brown's been really good on special teams. All right, so, Uh you know, let's don't discount him because we still don't know exactly what his career is going to look like by the time it's over. We don't know about Matt Parrott's career by the time it's all said and done because he's also been hurt. Uh So the jury's still out on some of the players, but you've already named some players that he did draft
3: who clearly are part of the core of this team. Hey, look, Jonathan, I'll say this, and I think there are plenty, plenty of fair criticism of Dave Gettleman's tenure. And things didn't go well, just look at the record. There's so many fair things you can criticize the man for, and that's fine. But I, in my opinion, Dave Gettleman understood how to evaluate talent. Like, he could identify a good football player, right? Like, Dexter Lawrence, good football player. Saquon Barkley, good football player. I think he just struggled in building a team with those talented players and figuring out how to put the right talent together to create a winning team. I think that's where he had issues. But I do think, again, there are misses, in terms of talent evaluation, too. But I do think, generally speaking, he knew, okay, well, that guy's a good football player. I want that guy. But I think just figuring out how to build a successful winner in that process is where there was a bit of a struggle. In short, the roadmap did not work.
0: But in terms Mm -hmm. of getting the guys that were going to help the team, he left the team with much more talented players than when he came here. He drafted more talented players that were drafted before he got
3: here. He really did. That's true.
6: Yeah, and, and even until I'd say about a year ago, you know, there was a, a real argument that, you know, they missed missed with that first pick. You know that it could have been should have been Becton or Willis. I mean, it's looking like either Thomas or maybe worse. You know, you know, maybe one and one A between those two guys. So, uh, you know, he, he 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 hit that first pick.
0: Look, as long as you want to throw some bouquets his way. You could thank him for giving the Giants an extra first-rounder and an extra
3: third-rounder this year. Now, in fairness, the guy you traded down to, you know, to, to draft that year it hasn't he's, worked out he's been so hurt. far. So, Tony's mm-hmm. been hurt. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there 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 there's plenty to be critical of and other stuff has worked out. So, more mm-hmm. thank you Jonathan, appreciate the call, man. Thank you. Obviously, given the record more bad than good, that's why he's not here anymore. But some of the best young players on the roster were guys that he drafted.
1: Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, some 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club.
3: Correct. 201-939-4513. Let's go to Gary in Virginia. Gary, you're up next. Hello. Hey, Paul and John. How you doing? Hi,
7: hey, Gary. Yeah, I just, want, hey, I just want to talk about the receivers a little bit. And uh, I know we have talked about how, um, you know, the way the uh, Brian Dable is moving them in and out and the, the positives to it. You know, you get... reward the guys that are practicing hard you know you give different looks to teams but there's another side of that coin that I was thinking about and you know telling Daniel that hey you have you know Kenny Galladay and Tony and and Shep these are your guys to move forward and there's, there's a there's a growing process in having the same the same crew to work with you know throughout the games and having the other guys you know come in on certain plays so and I know our passing game hasn't been you know as good as we hoped So I'm wondering if that might be
5: part of it.
0: Well, look, I tend to take this coach at face value. Uh, To this point, he has not said anything that was sketchy, that was cloudy, or that did not come to pass. Everything he has told us since the day he got here has actually come to fruition exactly
3: as as he spelled it out, Don. John now. Oh, wow. That was, that was insulting. Um, but <laughs> I said, John <gone>, didn't I? <laughs> yes, you did. I'm um, sorry. It's okay. It's funny. Um, but he, in fairness, Brian Dave also efforts not to say a whole lot, but the stuff that he has expressed, I think so far has, has rang true.
0: Right. So as far as the receivers are concerned, until I see something that indicates there's another, uh, agenda or there's another plan, I'm going to take it at face value that he truly believes Mixing and matching, depending upon the game and the opponent, is going to be the way that he thinks this passing game is best served. I, I may not necessarily agree with that philosophy, but he's done it for two weeks, and they've done just enough to win, albeit not explosive, not exciting. Passing game has to get better. I think it will when the offensive line also improves. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm i just, at this point, I'm a to wait and see until... until Brian Daybell does something that doesn't jive with what he said. I'm not going to question him.
7: Sure, and I, I you know, I believe what he's saying. I just don't know if it's the right avenue huh? because maybe because I've never seen it. I've never seen it before. You know, you have the top guys, I, and, <laughs> and he's a guy. You
0: know what? No one knew about America until Columbus got on a boat. I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean it's wrong. And look, I'm as old school as anybody. John will tell you every show. I am as old school as they get. And old. And and old. Just old. (laughs) And I have had to adjust. I've had to tweak some of my philosophies, too.
3: I mean, look, it is what it is, man. And by the way, we talked about wink adjusting. You don't think Brian Dable wants to throw the ball around the yard a little bit more, given what he did in Buffalo? Of course he does. And and they've been winning with the run in the fourth quarter I mean, for two games my, now. Mike Kafka from, coming from the Chiefs, where it was like running the football, would like give you hives over there. And <laughs> look
6: what
0: they're and, doing here. And, and then here. again, Dable has even said to that, I didn't have Saquon Barkley in Buffalo. He
3: has. He, he actually said that to us in a production meeting, right? If I remember yeah. right, yeah. said it
0: then th- to the regular press oh, too. He? Yeah. Well, there
3: you go. I did not
0: have Saquon Barkley in Buffalo. Right. Well, guess what? I got different ingredients. I make a different recipe. You attack with your strengths. So that's hey, all. That's, that's all we right. got. That's all I got. <laughs> I right. appreciate the call, Gary. <laughs> it's true. Sometimes you just got to take it at face value. I mean, it, you know, whether or not you like it, the proof will be
3: in the pudding. You got to let the cook make the food. Two zero one nine three nine four five one three. 4513 Rick is in Tampa. Rick, you're up next on Big Blue Kickoff Live. Hey, Rick. What's up, guys? Hi.
7: Johnny and Paul, how are you? Another win. We're excited. I'm almost excited. I'm hoping that Aaron Judge doesn't hit a home run Friday on Apple TV and nobody gets to see it, Paul. <laughs> that was tough.
3: now, Rick, here's what's going to happen. I'm bringing Clara, my daughter, to her first Yankee game tonight, and he's going to hit three. And then all the drama is going to be done, and he's going to get to okay. – 62 tonight, yeah, and then a, and then we'll get it all yeah. out of the way. That's so a make good sure, plan. So make good sure time. everyone tunes in tonight as Judge hits three and breaks the record while I'm in the building. We'll tell the Pirates. Yes, well the oh, Pirates aren't very good. <laughs> they might not yeah, be able to help it. To be, be <laughs> honest <laughs> with you,
7: that would be nice. Uh, you know, uh, John, if you look if you look on your wall there. My uh, I should have that first prediction of 10 and seven. Remember, and uh, that uh, is starting to look. Uh, rather good so I'm excited about that but I have to say I have a couple quick things one is that the Dallas game does fall and the Giants game falls on a a Jewish holiday I know that's presented some problems for some people and I don't think the league's doing anything about it so the whiteout that they're planning to do uh, hopefully will be uh, effective in whatever reason they're doing
3: that. No, Rick, By uh, the way, just just FYI, Giants ownership is very aware of that, and they push the league every year not to schedule yeah. Giants home games on those days, so trust me, the Giants as, as an organization, they make the league very well aware that they like to avoid games on those Jewish holidays, you know, Yom Kippur and yep. Rosh Hashanah every year, but the, mm-hmm. this year the league did what they did, and there's not much you could do about it.
7: Okay. Uh, I have, uh, as watching the game, uh, and I know we got to the part with the Giants, and we've talked about this on the show and as a team for years now, that's what we call the, what, the four-minute four minute offense when you get the ball and you have to eat up the clock, right, Paul? And I'm just thinking that this has to be the difference with the Giants this year and uh, how they did it, they did it. So uh, I think that was a huge plus and a good sign for the team and how we did it, hey, Daniel Jones took to running like that, and, they, and it looked really good. So uh, I think that was a big, big plus and a good start for the season. And uh, going into the Cowboys, you know, I have a question for you, and this is what kind of piggyback what he, the other guy was saying about the wide receivers. What is your thoughts with, with Galladay? What, what do you think is going to go down with him? Because I think at the start had play more this week against the Cowboys backs, who uh, are really good. And we may need that big guy, you know, to to maybe uh, get the the offense going. Do you think uh, he's going to see more time? And where do you see it going if it does? If it just blows up and we and you know, it's it it just never happens. Uh, it, do you see anything with
3: that? it's a good question. I think whether and how much he plays this hook will be a good indicator of what it's going to look like going forward. And we'll have to wait and see. You know, you hope Kenny handles it like a pro. If he doesn't get a lot of snaps and you move forward, I think. The good thing is that Brian Dable is very upfront and honest with these guys ahead of time. So nobody's caught by surprise. He's very open with them. And you hope that, if, again, if they decide not to play him a bunch of snaps, that it's handled well by all sides. And then eventually someone will get hurt, and, and, and they're going to need him at some point this year. It's just a matter yeah. of time, and you hope that he's ready to go well, when they do. I'm going to take a chance here and try to get into Dable's
0: head, oh, and that's a luck. dangerous thing to do. <laughs> but but I would think, as he's thinking about how to use Galladay, he's going to say to himself, Okay, Now, let's see. Do we want a speedier, quicker, niftier kind of receiver on the field? Do we want the bigger, stronger guy who fights for the ball on the field? Do we want more of a run-blocking wide receiver on the field? Do we want a guy who's going to be more of a decoy, where where even if he's not going to be targeted a lot, he's going to be on the field and he's going to draw coverage away? Uh, These are the questions I suspect that Dable will ask himself – as he decides which receivers are going to get more snaps and which receivers are going to get more targets. Um, I I honestly don't have the answers to those. Again, this is is one of those coaches' decisions that only he knows. Maybe Kafka, obviously, in those conversations will hammer some things out, but I don't know that any of the outsiders during the course of the week uh, are going to be able to decipher exactly what his priorities are and what questions he's asking himself and what the answers are to those questions. I just mm-hmm. think that this this is going to be what we're going to see for a while. And as mm-hmm. long as Kenny Galladay uh, accepts those answers and the logic and the rationale and doesn't cause any issues in the locker room, there's no reason why he won't continue to be on this team and at some point get an opportunity to be that guy.
7: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I, exactly right. And, Paul, the last thing real quick is that I know you phrased uh you coined the phrase i should say of the uh it, when we talked about gadget a gadget receiver what was it you called him a, a g the G, g receiver
0: g- the g receiver a
7: g receiver now are are you what have your thoughts been with that idea that we were going to see these little gimmicky plays between tony and robinson has any of that materialized we've but seen, I've we've, been... seen
0: a, 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 we've seen flashes of
3: it thank you rick not a ton of it i mean we saw the attempted well you know reverse pass right so well, we, we've, we've seen, seen a couple of jet sweeps yes we have We've seen uh, just,
0: I mean, literally, we've seen a couple of flakes of oregano Mm -hmm. is about all we've seen. It's only been two games. And it's only been two games. And that goes back to what McCarthy was saying about not having seen a bunch of plays in the playbook. I mean, there are only so many things you can do. And, again, only eight quarters
3: of football. Right. Uh, And, by the way, Robinson didn't even play in Week 2. Correct, and we'll see if he's able to play And Tony this didn't play much in week one. And let me throw this out there, too. Look, when he talked about the Giants and everything, guys, they've been playing with leads, too. Like, that's been so important. The Giants have actually mm. gotten out to leads in these games. Well, not the first game, but they stuck with their game plan even though they got behind, right. and they didn't turn into a, a pass-first outfit. To their credit. So they, they stuck with their game plan, what, 13-0 at halftime against yes. Tennessee? That sounds yes. right? Yes. And then they took the early 6 nothing lead against Carolina. So that, that has certainly helped, too.
0: I mean, over the course of
3: the next several weeks, as these receivers
0: get more time and as the different combinations are unveiled, I know you will see more of that. Because, John, we saw all spring and all summer, we saw a bunch of stuff that they were going to do.
3: And uh, they will all eventually unveil themselves. All right, let's finish off the show with one more caller. Scott in New Mexico will be our final one today. Scott, what's going on?
8: Hey, guys. Uh, The points you made were very salient about the receivers because it's really hard to game plan when you don't know who the receivers are going to be.
3: Hey, look, Scott, to be honest with you, the Cowboys are going to play man-to-man in that game, and they're going to press no matter who's out there. They're not going to care. So for the Cowboys, there's not going to be much confusion because they're just going to press the hell out of you and they're going to play man-to-man and against this giant receiver core, they're going to say, if you can beat our solid set of corners, God bless you, and that's how the Cowboys are going to play. I can the, tell you right, right but on the, the thing
0: bat. about it is, though, when you play man like that, you need to know your guys' idiosyncrasies right. across from you and all your keys. They're going to, Every one of their DBs is going to have to study now six that's different fair. receivers. That's fair. And know every know. key for every guy. Unless they're
3: traveling with certain guys, which is if they travel.
8: I think the Giants are winning. I remember I talked to you last week, Paul, and I asked if you were a believer because I guaranteed the Giants were going to win the game. And you said to me, well, call next week and we'll see what happens. And sure enough, of course, they won. I I
0: was very concerned about this game. I had them winning, but I thought it was going to be very difficult. Guys, by the way,
3: and I'm just going to say it right now, if you expect – me to say at any point during this this year for seventeen right. games, oh this is gonna this is gonna be an easy win. <laughs> it's not gonna happen. Every game is gonna be hard. Every game right. now some games well, are harder than others. Hard. Yes. Every game
0: is gonna yes. be hard. That's
8: the every game is hard no matter who you play. Yeah.
0: And, the Carolina and game, matchup though did present some nasty right. situations. Yeah, but Baker the,
3: didn't the, play well and that was really the difference, let's be honest. The
8: the point I wanna make though, and John you brought it up a little bit earlier, is you sir you said you were gonna learn a lot about Evan Neal. Uh, in regards to how he's playing, and I disagree with you 100%. The reason I do is there hasn't been a single offensive tackle in the NFL that can control Michael Parsons, uh, not one. And if you look at the Cincinnati game...
3: Yeah, but he's not going to face Parsons every place, Scott. He's also going to be facing DeMarcus uh, No, Williams I realize so that, but if you look at the Cincinnati
8: game... There were, he had two sacks. If you extrapolated those numbers, he'd have 34 sacks at the end no, of the No, but,
3: Scott, th- Scott, there's a difference between giving up a couple of sacks. I mean, he could give up well, sacks. Let me, let me finish sacks. my point, John. Yes.
8: Okay. Uh-huh. Uh, they also had 15 pressures against Cincinnati. Of those 15 pressures, Micah Parsons alone had 10. And when you have a player like that who is the best player in the NFL defensively right now, bar none, my question to you guys is this. How do you think, Wink? Uh, excuse me. How do you think Mike Kafka and Brian Dable will be able to influence Michael Parsons, so that he is not necessarily a non-factor, but he is mitigated in some way? Because no one seems so far to be able to do that. And I, in deference to you, Paul, I know we don't want to talk about the comparisons to Lawrence Taylor, but he is sort of Lawrence Taylor Jr and he's quickly becoming uh, a force to deal with. So my last question, I'll take it off the air, is how do you think you, defend, how do you think mitigate or, or lessen his influence on the game? Because that's what's going to determine who wins the game.
3: Thank you, Scott. And, 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 I, and I think you did frame that correctly, by the way. It's how do you limit the damage, not stop or shut down. I think you phrased that properly. Look, and what makes it tough with Parsons, Paul, is that he doesn't line up in the same spot every time. He could be at left end. He could be at right end. He could be standing up behind the defensive line. They put him all over the place, so that's going to be a tough thing for, for the Giants' offense to prepare for.
0: Yeah, I think to this point, the Giants' interior offensive line has struggled more so than the guys on the edge. Yeah, I agree with that. So the question for me is, where will the Cowboys try to utilize Parsons? Will they try to have him come more between the tackles or are they going to, which I've always believed from the day he was drafted, he'd be better on the edge. And they have found that out. He's much more devastating on the edge than he is inside. But having said that, if the Giants' weakness has been a little bit more in the middle, what do they do? Do you do what you do best or do you try to take advantage of the other team's underbelly? And that becomes the guessing game. So that would be my first question. If I'm like Kafka, I'm trying to figure out first of all how will they deploy Parsons? I suspect I suspect he's going to come more up the middle this week. That would be my guess. He's
3: been used on the edge more this year than he, he has. was last year. He
0: has, but I'm going to I'm going to guess
3: and I could guess wrong. Right. That they'll send him more between the tackles, but then what But then when he goes to the edge, what side does he go against the left guard, the right guard? That's why it's so. Is look, Dan Quinn's a really good defensive coordinator. He is. So it's very tough to predict where he's going to come from, which is what makes him such a devastating weapon, right? It's not like all right, well, he's going to line up at right end against the left tackle. We can chip over there. We can put the tight end over there. Blah blah blah. Not so easy with Parsons because he lines up in so many different spots. And it's not like you can run right out. He's good against the run, too. So, it's mm-hmm. it's there. there isn't an easy solution here. And look, too, I think, I understand what Scott was saying too, by the way. Look, if Parsons goes up against Evan Neal, he's probably going to give up a couple sacks. And I'm not going to kill Evan Neal for that. But there's a difference between giving up a couple sacks and getting well, when, abused so badly that your offense can't function. And, and
0: when are those sacks? Correct.
3: Look, because there's a deal. Well, even if Parsons gets only two sacks. If you block him well, the other eighty-five percent of the time, then you're good. But if he gets two sacks, but the other, you know, forty snaps are all pressures, and you're getting whooped, that's a problem. There, there are levels to getting beaten. <laughs> yes, and you want that's to true. get, and so he'll get beat a little bit, but you don't want to just become like an embarrassment. Scott, over
0: I'll go back to the old tried and true football one hundred one uh, method that you use against a speed rusher, which is what Parsons is more than anything else. No, he's a speed rusher. That's okay, true. you run at him. You run traps, you run uh, uh, um, outside zone against him where you get a hat on him, and you absolutely make sure that every single time, this is what this is what the teams that neutralized Ray Lewis did. They would say to, if it was a guard or if it was a tackle, if they were going to run outside and, and he was going to wind up coming to the outside and, and, and move, they would always say, and the fullback too, every single running play, we have a guy who was assigned to get a hat into Ray Lewis's chest. Now, unfortunately, you had to to get past Tony Saragusa and Sam Adams to do it. (laughs) Well, and that's what the challenge was. Right, correct. But the plan was sound, and the plan needs to be, all right, if you're going to run and you want to try to take some of the teeth out of the Dallas pass rush with a running game, make sure that on every play you assign somebody to nail Parsons in the chest.
3: Yeah, and I had somebody on Twitter suggest that's what you that do. suggest that this morning and I said, "Look, he's good against the run, but you know, I don't think that's a solution, but I think it's the best you can do." I agree. Well, I that's think how it starts. I think it's the best you can that's do. where the game plan has to start. We're
0: right. assigning a hat to Michael Parsons on every single play. And then you have to figure out, well, on these plays when the, this guy is going to have him, can that guy do enough to impede him? So that we can succeed on the play. For example, if Matt Breida is in the backfield, as you know, he's going to get a certain amount of snaps in place of Barkley. If we tell Matt Breida you're going to have to pick up Parsons, that's probably not a great idea. I think Parsons could probably run through Matt Breida. That's my guess. So if you're going to do that, yeah, I wouldn't block him with a run. Right. right you. No. You. Well, you better have another play. Yes. If you're going to tell Barkley. Barkley, you're going to have to get... No, that's probably not a good idea either. All right? <laughs> no, block him with a tackle,
3: please. Block him with a, ta- block him with a tight end. Yeah, block him with a jumbo package. I, I don't want one with a tight end either, but you, okay. <laughs> well, I mean... Yeah, no, I, I hear what you You, say. you
0: There I, are okay. times you're going to have to do it.
3: No, I don't.
0: And don't be surprised... If you stick a sixth offensive lineman in there.
3: No, that, that that's not bad.
0: Go with a jumbo package and take take one of your tight ends or one of your receivers off the field, stick an extra lineman on that side and say, okay, guess what? You're going to run that way, and if Parsons comes over to that side, you're going to just take this guy out.
3: Whereas then the trick is knowing what side he's going to be on, so you call the play the right direction. <laughs> well, you know, that's all part of it. No, and, that, and that's why it's so hard. It's all part, sure. Paul, good stuff. All right, John. Thanks, everybody, for calling in. We'll be back tomorrow. It'll be, again, Howard and Russ on Big Blue Kickoff Live on Wednesday at 1230. For Paul Detino, I'm John Schmelk As we get heavy into our Dallas Cowboys preview the rest of the week as we look at the Giants and Cowboys on Monday Night Football. We'll see you tomorrow.
1: Until now through May 14, visit livenationcom concertweek to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, Thirty Seconds to Mars, Oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.
3: I'm so excited to tell you, J.C. Penney and country music singer songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid back nature. He's a family man, and being a country megastar while also having seven kids, you know he likes to keep his style cool and casual.